I gotta close the window before I record, cause New York don't know how to be quiet. Well, stand up. Well, third. Like I'm Biggie Popper Baby. Keep your girl hit in my Tommy boxes But when it out, she a silly house you know What's going on, everybody? That's actually one of my favorite songs And I know the lyrics are very silly and sometimes stupid There's one part in the song where it's like uh, Her ass fat, you could park ten Tahoes on it, huh? <laughs> For some reason, I like this song, it's catchy um, Anyway, what's going on, everybody? Uh, podcast 62 get going right away here how's everybody doing everybody uh everybody staying healthy out there staying quarantined i don't really know the symptoms but i keep hearing your uh when your sense of smell and like taste uh goes away it's a sign that you might have a little something something so as long as you're uh smelling your food and tasting your food hopefully you'll be all right me and Layla are doing well. Uh, we got the uh, the van back at the gym. We uh, had some van trouble. Uh, I thought it was the fuel pump, but it was not. It was like a, a air leak somewhere that was allowing oxygen into the something something, and then something else stopped working because of the something else didn't work. And that's as much as my mechanical brain will function and understand. There was an air leak. That's all I know. Um, there was a proper fix that they could have done to the van, and they, they kind of gave me two options um, at Omjohn's, uh, Omjohn's Auto Sales and Repairs. I always have trouble saying that, the Omjohn's part. Um, but yeah, they helped me out. They gave me two options. One was a little bit more of expensive, but it was the proper fix. The other one was a temporary, uh, cheaper fix, but the temporary one, you know, they said that, you know, you're probably going to last a long time with this. It's not a, it's not a major issue um with what i have right now with the van so i went with option b the cheaper uh, more temporary fix especially because we are kind of quarantined and and the stores are all closed anyway and i ain't got no place to go anywhere uh anyway so um, i'm staying put i went with option b van's back so everything's good me and layla are doing well it's cold as shit outside though which is making it a little bit more challenging but um it's all good it's what life does you know throws you a couple curveballs you just got to bob and weave and and keep moving forward so um this podcast i'm going to be jumping into uh a book that i just read and i just finished it about an hour ago um the seven habits of highly effective people uh really good book excellent book and i'm going to get into each uh seven habits uh but first i always i want to just kind of give the biggest takeaway at least for me for this book and and you know again uh, and this book actually talks about this. We all have a different lens that we view life and that we see life. And um, it's like reading a book or watching a movie. You know, five people could watch the exact same movie at the exact same time, but every single person there watched a different movie. They laughed at different points. They they um, perceive things differently um, just because, again, we, we live different lives. So our, our scope just gets kind of um, narrowed to our own fitting. Um, but anyway, I'll get into that. So with the one thing that I took away from this book was, and this is something that my sensei Kurt actually talked about. He, uh, whenever we do seminars and let's say we pay money to go to a seminar, um, whether it's, you know, for martial arts, kickboxing, sales, whatever it is, if you do a seminar and you pay, let's say a hundred bucks or whatever, 
if you take one solid thing home from that seminar, from whatever that person was kind of, you know, explaining or giving to you, then it's worth the money. And so when I read a book, if I can have like, I, I know, obviously you want more than just one, but in all honesty, I get my money's worth. If there's one very powerful thing that I can take away from that book or podcast, um, and actually apply it into my life. You know, I don't really care if I can memorize a quote and, and you know, regurgitate it to other people or paired it off to other people. Um, I really want to be able to apply it. And for me, with this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I took away the differences between dependent, independent, and interdependent. And I never really understood what interdependent means. And... Um, you know, obviously being dependent, you're basically a child, you're a baby, you know, your parents or your caregivers have to take care of you because you're useless. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a baby, you can't do anything. And, it, you know, as we grow older, we get become more uh, independent. And that's kind of the the thing that everybody wants to talk about. And a lot of people are very proud to be independent. And I am one of those people. And in fact, I think it's done me some harm now because there are stages in life that, you know, you need to go through those stages. I, I, I was once dependent and then I became independent. But again, that's a stage. And I, and I truly believe that right now in my life, I'm ready for the interdependent relationships. And so being independent is great and all, but sometimes you can only get so far. And being independent means like you're, you're on a solo mission to do all the things that you want to do in life. Whereas interdependent means that you're able to collab with people, reach out to people, bounce ideas off each other. You're, you're a team player. You know how to work with others to get further in life, not just for your own benefit, but you're helping them as well. It's kind of like that mastermind idea that I talked about in another podcast where let's say, you know, you're, you're getting together once a week with a group of four friends as that, you know, trust develops and your communication develops and, you, you know, you guys kind of build that bond, that camaraderie, all of a sudden the four people that initially started this, this um, you know, weekly meeting, there is now a fifth mastermind going on. There's almost like a, a superpower, like an engine there that's, that's going because it's taking all of your thoughts and ideas and, and ways that you think and kind of formulating this fifth imaginary brain and um, at least that's kind of how I understood it. So the interdependence part is really where I'm, I've, you know, and it was, at the, it was at the beginning of the book. It really kind of hit home with me because, you know, I, I recently posted about my van being broken down and I, I literally got like 40, maybe even over 40 messages of people offering help from, from you know, everything from having a, a room for me and Layla to stay in to bringing me food to helping me drive, uh, drive me places you know, all just these really nice messages. And, and of course, I, I turned them all down. I, um, I just, you know, I said, thank you very much, but I'll, I'll be okay. And, you know, and I would be okay, but sometimes I have trouble accepting people's help and, and you know, wanting to do things with other people. Um, because again, I think I've really kind of focused on being independent and and at this stage of my life in my 30s I, I think if I continue on that path it will do me more harm than good so in in the next you know few years and, and even days coming I, I'm yeah, I guess not really now because we have to be do social distancing but uh I would like to really strengthen that part of me where I'm I'm willing to accept help from others and work with other people and and help other people collab with them bounce ideas back and forth and have like really strong 
um, relationships and communication skills with other people so that we're both on the same page and we're, we're both helping each other grow. So um, that was the biggest takeaway that I got from the book. And I might be doing a poor job of explaining it, but just when he described the, the differences between being dependent, independent, and then interdependent. And I see it with a lot of people, like a lot of people that I follow, like uh, Lewis Howes. He has this um, School of Greatness podcast. He talks about it a lot. He wasn't the smartest kid in class or the most athletic, but he sure knew how to work with others and build other people up, which in return built himself up. And, you know, you're seeing it with comedians all over the world where they used to kind of be a little bit more fend for themselves and, and maybe wouldn't be so willing to work with each other. But now because of the podcast world, all these comedians are having each other on and they're building each other up, you know, and it's kind of like that, uh, that abundance mindset. There's enough for everybody. We don't need to, you know, kick other people down just to get on top. There, there's room for everybody. There's, there's, there's so much, you know, money, wealth, wisdom, you know, relationships, all that stuff uh, to spread around the globe. So I just want to get better at and building those relationships and being a little bit more interdependent than independent. Uh, so anyway, that was a long rant, almost at 10 minutes already. I'll get into the, uh, the seven habits now. And uh, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is I'm going to go through each habit and I'll kind of maybe share some of the main keys and points that I took away from that habit. And then, you know, I'll try and share some of the things that I've done good with that habit and maybe something that I did bad in that habit. So I'll do my best. I don't really have too many notes. Um, I'm kind of just free balling. Uh, for the most part, I do have a few notes, but uh, let's get into it. All right. So habit number one was be proactive. And um, this is a big one for me. I, I, I understand this one. I, I think I've been pretty good with, with um, you know, being pro, uh, proactive and not reactive. You know, I think proactive people are driven by values and principles that they've kind of discussed in their own head, you know, a, a long time ago and, and really kind of understand who they are and what their character is. And so they have like an internal compass that they're going off of. So no matter what the outside environment is, they are only driven by their own moral principles and values. And um, whereas reactive people, they basically live their life based on external factors, good or bad, you know, their, de their decisions, their mood, you know, it's all dependent on what other people say, what, you know, the judgment of others, um, their, their exterior environment. So they're very reactive with their outside environment. Whereas again, proactive is a little bit more internal. Um, so let's see here. What's, uh, what's a good example of me being proactive? Um, and again, proactive also means that when something happens, you know, like, like this virus, for instance, um, a lot of people were very reactive. They got emotional. They might've got shortness of breath, panicked a little bit. They start, you know, maybe blaming or, or complaining about things. Whereas a proactive person, it's a little bit like stoicism, you know, control what you can and let go of what you can't. So the proactive people, I think immediately just adjusted and adapted. They understood what was happening. They took precaution. They, they stayed home, but then they maybe just started working on themselves. They, they went inside and find out some, some, you know, maybe childhood traumas that they worked on by meditating or reading or writing. They're doing things that can help themselves and help others around them. They're being proactive. So, I mean, that's, that's probably an example for me is, you know, I, I talked about in the other podcast where I, I kind of lost my shit for about a day, but then I got back to 
uh, being proactive. You know, that first day I was reactive. I was kind of getting angry. I was upset. I was a little bit worried. Um, you know, I didn't know where my income was coming from. I, I didn't know what how serious this virus was. Um, you know, all those sorts of things that um, kind of entered my mind right at the beginning. Um, but then again, I, you know, I kind of flipped that switch and began to be proactive right away. So um, trying to give myself a little bit of lenience, you know, it's I, I'm not perfect. None of us are. So um, it's OK to feel some emotions and, and especially just because I just read the book. So I'm I'm working on the seven habits um, anyway. So uh, habit number two, begin with the end in mind. And uh, this one was uh, this one is really big for me. And he actually kind of, he sets it up quite well. And I'll try and remember what he said at the beginning of the chapter and I'll walk you through it. So imagine yourself driving to a funeral right now. You're, you're in your vehicle and you're, you're just on your way to a funeral of someone that you know very well. And you're, you pull up to the funeral, you get out of your vehicle and you walk up to the, you know, whatever. It might be a church or like a funeral hall. You're walking down the aisle to go maybe see the open casket and you see all your friends and family, everyone to your left and right as you walk down the aisle, um, getting closer to the casket. And then you look down at the casket and there you are. It was you that had died. And that's basically the idea that he wanted to put in your mind at the beginning of the chapter with begin with the end in mind. We're all going to die. That's that is inevitable. Um, so to kind of stage or, oh yeah. And then he talked about, you know, once you see yourself there now picture your friends, your family, you know, all your loved ones going up and talking about you and picture what they're going to say about you. You know, are they going to say that you are a a very honest, hardworking person, a loving, a caring person? Are they going to say that you were selfish? Uh, Not that they, you know, people just lie when they're on there anyway. Even if you're a selfish, greedy piece of shit, they're going to be like, he was loving. He he cared for others. He gave to charity. (laughs) Just make it up bullshit, you know. Um, But anyway, so you kind of picture what people talk about you and what they say about you after you die. And that's kind of like your legacy. That That's what you will be remembered by. So that is kind of the definition of what it means to begin with the end in mind. I mean, we are all born, we are given life, and we all die. And that is the end, at least for this stage, as we move on to the whatever next stage, if there is one. Um, so yeah, I, I really kind of like that idea. And, um, you know, I've talked about it before, where even like a guy like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conor McGregor, these guys had a strong vision of where they were going. Again, the the vision first, and then you start to kind of pave the way through action. And beginning with the end in mind, I, I think it's important and it's really helped me as well. Whenever I had no vision um, or any kind of purpose or why, I just found that my life was very, um, I don't know if unpredictable is the word, but just scattered and lost. And things just wouldn't really go my way because I didn't know what way I was going. Um, you know, and after I kind of narrowed in my purpose and what I wanted to do and what I thought was a, you know, valuable lifestyle and life in general, I, uh, it kind of helped me pave the way and kind of create that life. But again, I needed that vision first. So, um, yeah. And I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's something that I actually did quite well, um, later in my life, like in my, um, you know, when I was 28, 
I always went to my buddy Ryan's house and I would tell him that I wanted to be this long-haired Viking looking guy living in a van and just kicking ass and being a martial artist and you know reading and doing all the things that I wanted to do and that was when I I sold cars still I owned a house I didn't do all the things I wanted to do but my vision was there and I slowly kind of chopped down and created this this uh this life that I that I wanted and that I I've kind of thrived in um so again that was that was one thing that I did really well and obviously you know before that was an absolute disaster um you know again with no vision you're kind of just aimlessly living so uh habit number two begin with the end in mind all right so habit number three put first things first and uh, here's a little quote i can never say this guy's name g-o-e-t-h-e goth 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 gothy goth i don't know that guy i've seen his name everywhere but i've never known how to say his name so habit number three put first things first things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least so that was the quote from goth geeth goth goth um and i like that one you know things which matter most never oh shit i fucked up things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least um so sometimes i think we're always like you know paying attention and focusing on these silly mundane things that don't really matter and we're forgetting the bigger picture and um you know i know jocko willink always says this prioritize and execute and it's such a simple beautiful quote you know find out what you what to prioritize but in order to find out what to prioritize you need to do some deep internal self work you need to know what your morals are what your values and principles are which uh brings me to my next thing is mission statement this book talked a lot about writing out a mission statement so that you fully understand what your morals and principles are so that that is your compass that is what guides you that is what allows you to prioritize and then execute um so put first things first you know first write a mission statement so write out you know um if if you are pursuing money and you really like money well are you willing to put money before family because that needs to be brought up in your mission statement and it's something that you need to even talk to your family about like say if you're if you worked 10 hours that day and then you come home and your family's there for supper and all of a sudden you get another phone call where you can make some more money but you have to go back to work and you have to leave your family if you already discussed with your family that that is what you're going to do because you guys want to live uh, a life of comfort and have that financial uh freedom then perhaps it's okay perhaps your kids understand your wife understands or husband whatever and then you can go but if you do not have that discussion but in your mind you're prioritizing money but they don't really understand what your what your mission statement is or what you're truly valuing in life then they might be offended and hurt and it's going to cause all sorts of other um problems in that relationship so mission statements are extremely important in this book. He he really drives that point home where you have to do some serious work on yourself to understand what you're willing to sacrifice um and again just the 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 values and the principles that you base your life off of. That's going to literally determine everything you do. Um so put first things first, but first you have to write a mission statement and truly understand what things are first um in order to put them first. if that makes sense. I hope I'm not butchering that. Um 
example of me maybe doing that good where I put first things first, my entire life, I, I didn't really do that. I didn't really take care of myself that well. Um, you know, I've always kind of been an athlete. So as far as exercise goes, um, I was always decent at it, but I never really understood what reading and educating myself and, and kind of meditating and, and finding my spirituality and I never really understood what those things would do and so I neglected them for many years and it it caught up to me and it started kind of destroying my life internally like just inside I didn't feel okay um, but once I kind of understood what I wanted to do in life and what I was willing to sacrifice in order to get there um, I knew what things needed to be first and that was martial arts that was educating myself that was Layla um, that was just kind of living a simplistic life by any means necessary and so I, I sold everything and, and moved into the van and uh, my life has improved drastically ever since then so um, habit number three put first things first all right so Habit number four, where are we at here? Oh yeah, habit number four is, uh, it's called think win-win. So there's, uh, I think there's six different um, concepts of uh, this, you know, this whole think win-win thing. There, There's different versions of it. So there's win-win, where everyone wins. There's lose-win, where maybe you have no confidence, you're hard on yourself, and you always let other people win. So you're kind of... Uh, which it might seem like, oh, you're just being nice, but you're being a pushover and life's going to trample you. Um, so you lose, everybody else wins. Then there is win-lose, where you're always trying to win um, by way of making other people lose. So that's usually the arrogant asshole who's just stepping on shoulders, trying to work his way up the corporate ladder. You know, I'm just giving uh, a visual here. It doesn't have to be a corporate ladder, but the idea of win-lose is that you win by making other people lose, and that's disgusting. Um, and then there is uh, just win, where you only think about winning, period. That's it. That's all you care about is win. You don't care if they lose, they win, nothing. You're just, and again, that's another bad way to think. Lose-lose. This is usually where you see it in a lot of relationships, and I have been here in relationships. That's why I'm kind of chuckling. Lose-lose um, is basically stubborn people clashing where everybody it's like uh the the in the book i think they gave the example of like if you're divorcing somebody and let's say uh let's say the wife wants half of your things that you sell so the husband sells everything for a penny J even though it's gonna ruin him financially and he's not gonna get any more money but he knows that it's going to screw his wife over or ex-wife. So again, it's like he could just sell it for the proper amount. He would make some money. He, yeah, sure, he'd have to give his wife some money. But at least he got some money. You both gained something out of it. But instead, when you have lose-lose mindset, you just burn all the bridges. Fuck it. You know, sell it for a penny. Now nobody wins. And now you, you walk off kind of pissed off. They're pissed off. It's just a disaster. So that's an awful way to, to view things. And then there is the win-win or no deal. And I like this one. This is something that, um, you know, if you're, whether it's a, in a relationship, like maybe you guys are having a, a discussion and if you really communicate, like, look, I'm only, I only want to resolve this if you feel like you've won and I feel like I've won. So let's view this problem on the same side of the fence where we're both on, on each other's teams where we're both trying to win. But... If we can't win, if we feel like there's just no, 
way around you know each other feeling like we we got a bit of a victory out of this then no deal at all and we just move on but as long as the communication is there where we're gonna win-win or no deal then then again everybody's on the same page and worst case scenario whether it's a business um, discussion or in a relationship if you guys don't agree on something then you've already discussed that it's just no deal so it is what it is um, but at least the communication was there um, so I, I, I really like that uh, that think win-win. So again, there's there's win-win, there's lose-win, there's win-lose, there's lose-lose, and there's win-win or no deal. Um, those are some, some great little uh, tidbits that I liked anyway. And thinking win-win, again, it's it's all about the the communication. Um, you know, and I, and I really like the idea of, you know, he talked about you have to truly understand someone first to have that win-win mentality. We all see, and the author actually gave a cool picture. It was like a little, it's a, oh, I can't talk right now. It was an actual picture of just like basic white and black outlines of like a, it, it was a lady. And he talked about how they did this study where 50% of people saw a young lady and the other 50% saw an old lady. Both are correct. But he talked about the fact that people see life differently. So the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can understand that they are viewing the problem in a different form. So we need to understand and we need to try and put their glasses on so that we understand what they're seeing. That allows us to be on that same win-win or no-deal page. So before we can get to win-win, we can't just think that we're always right and we need to convince people to see things our way. We need to just understand that, look, we, we both have different viewpoints and uh, it, it is what it is. So now at least we understand that we're both different. We see things differently. So let's try and get a win-win here after we understand each other. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a good uh, good part of the book <laughs> habit four all right so now habit five man sometimes i do these podcasts like i'm already at 26 minutes and i'm like i bet there's nobody listening already they've probably all tuned off because i'm ranting too long but hey man this is uh you know this is the way she goes all right so uh habit number six now wait did i miss one Did I miss? Did I miss a habit? <laughs> oh, bear with me, you guys. This is a disaster. Leila, why are you doing that? That'd be unbelievable if I missed one. There's habit three. There's habit. Oh, yeah. So, habit four. So, what's habit five? Oh, shit. One of the best ones. Ha. My bad, guys. One of the best ones was, uh, so habit number five. I have no notes on this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wing it, but I did really enjoy this, and I actually kind of just talked about it. Habit five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And uh, that chapter was really important to me because I feel that I definitely need a lot of work on that. Um, I'll be honest, I in, in my relationships, you know, when, when I was... Yeah, in my relationships, I always just kind of, I just thought that I was right. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I just thought that like the way that I viewed the world was the correct way to view the world. I thought I was like a realist and that I just, I never understood like, how could you be so stupid and think that, you know, can't you just see it my way? 
when first I should have understood why they are seeing it their way. Like we have so much, um, you know, things that shape the way we are from childhood and just our environment and the way people have talked to us and the education system and just so on that we're shaped in a certain way that we literally have different glasses on. Not literally. We don't actually have, that's dumb. We don't actually have glasses on. I don't have glasses. Um, but again, we just see the world differently. So I, that was another big part of this book that I really tried to take away. And it's a big key to being, uh, having interdependent relationships. Like I was talking about before where we're working with other people and collabing more is I need to get better at understanding those people more and understanding that it's okay to view things differently. Even if they view one thing one way and and they feel that they're right. And I view it one way and I feel like I'm right. We can still have like a proper civil conversation and still try to get that win-win solution where it's not a lose-win, a win-lose, a lose-lose. It's a win-win because we both understand each other and we understand that we're seeing things differently and that's okay. Um, so yeah, that was a really good chapter for me that, that really kind of helped drive home the idea of it being in an interdependent relationship, which is what I'm really going to work on in the next few years and the rest of my life. Um, all right, so habit number six, we're getting there, we're getting there, uh, synergize. So habit number six, this one I, I didn't take away quite as much, um, but it's still a good, a good chapter. And it, it's, it kind of reminded me of the similar idea of mastermind, um, you know, the, the idea of... You know, if you have four people that are in a, in a really trusting, loving conversation and, and they're, they're really kind of building a foundation based on, you know, how they're communicating, there's kind of like a fifth invisible mind that appears and synergize is kind of that same idea with proper communication, proper morals and principles going into the conversation. And once you guys kind of understand that you each view the world differently and, um, you know, you're both seeking that win-win then all of a sudden the synergize happens where you might have a problem. And the author kind of talks it, and I don't fully understand this, but he always says like one plus one is normally two, but with synergy, one plus one can equal 10. So if two people are talking, but you're like, you're in that flow state where you're just talking freely, you, you're okay with being vulnerable. Um, the other person, person isn't starving the air from the room by pressuring you and judging you. You really get to get out what you wanted to say. There's a synergy that happens where there could be not just one solution to the problem, but two, three, four, five, and so on. So one plus one could equal 10 because that synergy happens and you're in that flow state where you just never know what's going to happen. But to get there, we have to understand people. And I've been guilty of this before too, where sometimes when somebody's talking, and this is why I hate mainstream media and like watching politicians trying to fucking get their point across when people are interrupting them, they're pressuring them, the public is on their ass. It, it suffocates the air, which prevents them from speaking their mind and being vulnerable. So then they just start getting maybe a little bit more aggressive or uh, maybe they, they shell up more. They don't even talk at all or they forget what they wanted to say. Whereas in a proper relationship and proper communication, you don't judge the person. You just seek to understand them. You let them flow. You let them be vulnerable. You, you communicate properly. And then that synergy will happen. Um, so that was a... Uh, 
I, I enjoyed that part quite a bit. And uh, that was habit number six. What was habit number seven? Oh yeah, habit number seven. This is kind of a good way to sum up the book. Uh, habit number seven is sharpen the saw. So sharpen the saw basically means expressing these four things. Physical, mental, uh, social, slash emotional, and then spiritual. So with physical, uh, just exercise, nutrition, stress management. Uh, with mental, you know, reading, visualizing, planning, writing, um, social and emotional. Uh, that could be like uh, having empathy, uh, synergy, internal, uh, intrinsic security, and service. And then, of course, spiritual, uh, you know, whatever kind of like faith practices that you want to, you know, anytime I hear spiritual, I always just try to think of, try to find something to not necessarily believe in, but just something that is bigger than yourself. You know, I have my own beliefs and my own spirituality that I, that I practice, you know, even if it's just meditation, the Wim Hof breathing, um, but I've had some plant medicine experiences that have really kind of given me an idea and a visual um, that when I do these things, that is kind of what I'm thinking about, um, even in regards to the afterlife. But that's a, that's a whole nother podcast for another day. Um, so yeah, habit number seven is sharpen the saw. It's basically just all of those things pooled into one cycle, but it's all about balance. You know, you can't just be physical. You can't just be, you know, it's the term meathead. Like meathead is basically someone who just works out and lifts weights, but is kind of a dummy. They don't really have any spiritual practices. They, they lose their temper. They don't have education. They're not very wise. Um, you know, so again, and you can be the, the, you know, vice versa. You can be too heady. So maybe the mental part where you're reading and visualizing and planning and writing, you know, you can read, visualize, plan and write all you want, but if you don't have the ability to apply it, or if you don't have your health from the physical part of it, like let's say you're getting really fat and you're just starting to get sluggish. Maybe you're getting depressed because you can't move as well. Your brain function goes down. So again, they're all interconnected and they're all very important to practice. Um, so again, just sharpening the saws, basically just being well-rounded. And I think that I do a pretty good job of that, except for the social and emotional part. Um, that's kind of what I was talking about, you know, with me wanting to focus on being more interdependent. Um, you know, I think I just need to be better at understanding people, um, you know, their their points of view and, and saying yes to certain offers. Like when people want to maybe work with me in some way or collab or offer help, guidance, you know, I think I just need to get a little bit better at saying yes to those things. So... Um, yeah, it's interesting. This book definitely made me think a lot. It's, uh, it's got me on that, uh, that whole kick of, uh, being interdependent. That's again, that's the main takeaway, um, at least for me. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's it guys. I'm going on 35 minutes. Holy shit. I can blabber. It's funny. I'm not a very, I'm not that social when like I'm face to face, but boy, in, in the comfort of my own van, I hit record. I can just talk shit. Um, was there a quote that I wanted to end this podcast with? Oh yeah. Haha. <laughs> All right. This is a, this is a good one, guys. This is a good one. Pay attention, get a pen and paper. So this was in the, in the last chapter where it said, uh, sharpen the saw. It said, uh, this is by Martin Luther King. I have so much to do today. I'll need to spend another hour on my knees. So basically preparing yourself. 
you know, we sometimes if we just wake up and start acting and just get to work right away, we can lose sight of what we're working towards. Again, begin with the end in mind. What is the end goal? What are you trying to do? So sometimes it's like the it's like literally sharpening the saw. You know, we all heard the story where the guy's sawing down the tree and he's it's taken him 10 hours. Whereas if he would have spent an extra hour sharpening the saw, that tree would have been down already. So sometimes we need to just take our time, breathe a little, think about what you're doing. Sharpen that saw by getting down on your knees and contemplating, praying, meditating, whatever you have to do to make sure that you're beginning with the end in mind. Um, and... Uh, and that's it, guys. That's uh, that's podcast number 62. Oh, man. I don't even know. This might have been too long. I got to get quicker at this, maybe. But I, I hope you got some value in it. You know, at least at least this is 36 minutes, and you, you basically just read uh, The ha- Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So um, I just saved you some time because that book took me quite a while to read, a whole lot longer than 36 hours because I'm a slow reader. But... Uh, Hope you enjoyed the podcast, guys. Again, um, I'm always looking for feedback. If you guys, you know, again, if you listen to this whole thing and it's like, God damn, that was long. Shut up. It's a, you know, it was good points, but shut up. Quit talking about boring stuff. Just make it quicker. Like make it 15 minute podcast or something. Um, But yeah, just let me know. Feedback's always good. Uh, All right, guys. Bye. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Love you.